We honestly, we, we had no idea how it was going to go when we were ready to kind of turn the keys to the business uh, last October when we launched. Um, so the initial plan was like launching on Facebook, uh, Instagram, as well as paid shopping and search. Uh, and when we turned the business on, we pretty quickly realized that we had budgeted incorrectly and in a really great way. Uh, we were acquiring customers at kind of uh, pennies on the dollar from what we anticipated. Uh, that that led to a, a whole slew of challenges on the inventory management side of things, supply chain management side of things, but it was honestly a really exciting uh, uh, development. Um, we, we basically found that we were acquiring customers at around $25 a pop when we first turned the business on and um, we're really able to sustain that through kind of Q4 and peak season um, of 2020 and 2021. How did Gymshark win 2020? consumer research. They worked with a test to learn more about their audience's changing habits, then pivoted their business to meet those needs. Visit askatest.com slash D2C and use fast, accurate consumer research to get ahead. It's growth without guesswork. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC Podcast. Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick and today I'm taking a deep breath of fresh air with Eric Nair and Michael DeSantis of Canopy, the world's cleanest humidifier. Now Canopy believes that your home should make you healthier and it shouldn't take ugly appliances or hassle to create a space that works for you. They've also really re-envisioned the humidifier um, in, in a way and tied it to skincare in a, in a really uh, excellent way that I'm eager to talk about. Uh, welcome to the podcast, both of you. Uh, Eric, as CMO, let's start with a bit of discussion around the positioning of this product. Now, just to level with you, the only association, the only association I have with a humidifier, uh, except for my wife who uses one of those aromatherapy ones in the evenings, was when I was sick, when I was a kid, I would get this humidifier, would come in, it would always help me feel better. But I'm interested how you kind of re-envisioned this product to make it more, more of a mass market appeal. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And it's, it's, it's um, not surprising to us and to me that, you know, that is your specific experience, Eric, with um, humidifiers, you know, I, you know, when it comes to building the positioning and understanding how we wanted to position this as we brought it out to market, we did a lot of what we're actually doing right now, which is just talking to people about their experiences with humidifiers, how they've used them and interacted with them throughout their lives. Um, both like when they were kids and now like sort of as adults, we talk to people who are more like single type people who, you know, are thinking in terms of like building a great routine for themselves. We talk to parents who are thinking about their families and the health of their babies and children as well. And so, um, you know, as far as building the positioning is concerned, it really came together pretty naturally in the sense that um, when we started to explore what the benefits of humidifiers are sort of across the range of wide benefits that they have, we found that, um, you know, the benefits for the skin are real. And there is a lot of science there that backs up that um, having your home, the ambient environment in your home at an optimal um, relative humidity level, which the range for optimal humidity for the skin and for the health is between 40 and 60% relative humidity inside. And we, we learned that having the humidity at those levels actually has real legitimate benefits for the hydration and, the, and therefore the health of the skin. And um, if you sort of were to do a quick Google search before Canopy, you would find um, influencers and editors and celebrities who talked about, you know, running a humidifier religiously day and night. And they talked about it as a skincare product and, and something that they did as part of their skincare routine. And, you know, so my background is sort of deep in um, beauty brands. And then in the past few years, as um, that space has really converged with the wellness industry. So sort of beauty and wellness are living much closer together now um, as sort of like one big category, whereas beauty used to be thought of as like sitting much closer to fashion. Um, so, you know, what I had seen over the past few years was a lot of beauty brands um, making an attempt to sort of um, sort of add on a wellness angle to their positioning. Um, so, you know, brands who had always been beauty brands saying, okay, well, we're not just beauty, we're also wellness. And we're thinking about you holistically and how you take care of yourself in general. And what um, 
feel so exciting to me about the opportunity with Canopy and did, um, you know, back when we were first sort of starting things is that we are truly a brand that sits at the intersection of beauty and wellness, which is where and how consumers are thinking about their routines now in a modern sense. Um, so when it came to positioning it, it was, it was really about understanding people's current interactions with the category and how we could best communicate how Canopy Humidifier was going to solve the pain points that people have. And then also there's, of course, a huge education component for the majority of consumers out there who don't know the amazing benefits that um, increased humidity can have for the skin, getting a lot of education out there about how that works and uh, what they should expect to see and feel when they use the product. I love it just in terms of solutions because it's just further closer to the root causes, you know, even like makeup and different skincare things, you're putting things on topically, but when you're actually changing your environment to to have more, you know, humidity, it's, it's just getting a little bit closer to to that broad sense of holistic wellness. Uh, and it just, it, it seems like you've really nailed it. And then you've also reinvented the product itself with, with, by, by going after some of the pain points of maybe those aromatherapy machines or of my association with that, that one big unit I'd have for when I was sick. Can you talk a little bit about how, how you sort of evolved the product to really sort of reinvent the, the, the humidifier? Absolutely. So, you know, we really thought about every single pain point that existed with humidifiers. And I should even take a step back and say that Humidifier is a category where there really hasn't been much innovation or change in the category really, really ever. So um, most of the devices that you see out there are legacy technology um, without really any innovation for the modern consumer. Um, so a couple of the features um, in the feature set that you know um, we feel are kind of the most innovative is, is number one, um, most people are used to seeing mist coming out of humidifiers. So um, ultrasonic humidifiers are a very common type of humidifiers where that sort of chimney of mist or steam comes out of the top of the humidifier. And what most people also don't know, and I didn't know, um, you know, before jo joining up with Canopy, is that anything that's in the water basin of the humidifier, so any dissolved solids, metals, uh, dust, bacteria that's in that water is actually just being spit out into the environment with um, that mist that comes out of the ultrasonic humidifiers. So, you know, with the movement around not just beauty, but also general health and wellness being, okay, let me understand what's in all of my products. Let me understand, you know, what I'm putting into my body. This doesn't jive with that idea of sort of clean, um, if you think about it. So, um, Canopy, the Canopy humidifier uses a different type of technology called evaporative technology, where you don't see any mist coming out of the humidifier, which I should also add from a marketing perspective, is a big point of difference that we've really leveraged. Um, sort of, we, we think of ourselves as leading the no mist movement in humidification. Um, and so with evaporative humidification, uh, the water is first run over a paper filter, so a wicking filter that sits inside of the unit. And then it's evaporated as invisible vapor as a fan blows. Um, uh, it's the, 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 the water is evaporated into the air. And so the filter is catching all of those impurities and bacteria and any dissolved solids that I talked about that might be in the water so that they're not being released into your air. Um, I should also note that the water before it even gets to the filter is first run by a UV LED um, that sanitizes the water to start. So really like clean output is a big, big feature um, that, that, that is unique to Canopy. Uh, this really I speaks to me, first say, of all, like my wife, sorry to interrupt, but my wife has has one of those, the cheaper sort of humidifier units or um, the aromatherapy units. And it, the way it just pumps out steam, like sometimes I, it smells a little mildewy along with the jasmine or whatever, what, whatever's in there. And it just, it, some, you know, I'd, I'd be walking by, it's blast me in the face, it felt a little like oppressive. So this idea of just having it be really ambient in the background is something that as a consumer, it like spoke to me as one of your first main selling points. I got it right away. Yeah, it's cool to hear that you could even sense it, that that mist wasn't like sitting exactly right with you. Um, and I think that people people do get that impression. And so no mist is definitely something that surprises certain customers and it's definitely something they expect that we expected, I do, bet, in some do. cases. Totally, yeah. And it's also a cue that the humidifier is working, you mm -hmm. know, that there's mist coming out of it. But an interesting, visible, um, demonstrable sort of cue in the canopy humidifier that it's working is actually that paper filter that I talked about that's it starts out as bright white when you first put in a fresh filter 
within a few days of using the humidifier, it starts to turn all different colors. So it turns brown and orange and, 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 and even red sometimes. And what that is, is all of um, that stuff that's in the water that you don't want in the air being caught on the filter so that it's, it's not in your environment. Very cool. So, you know, when we're talking about features, another big one is um, that a huge pain point around humidifiers, uh, traditional humidifiers is mold. That's the number one reason that people um, told us they discontinue use of their humidifier, throw humidifiers away. We actually found that it's a very common practice for mm -hmm. customers to own a humidifier for one season or one year at most, and then actually dispose of the humidifier um, because it's just gotten too moldy to use again. And the reason why mold grows inside humidifiers is because most humidifiers are designed to leave some standing water in the system behind when the sort of auto shutoff happens. And that's because most humidifiers actually won't function properly or they'll break if they run when they're completely dry. Hmm. And so we developed a proprietary technology called Smart Persistent Airflow that we call SPA for short. Um, and what that does is that actually completely flips that on its head. And the canopy humidifier due to the spa technology will run until it's completely dry inside and there's no water left behind. So there are sensors inside that sense if there's any water left in the system and it's going to keep running until there's no water inside. And if there's no water inside, there's a, a far, far uh, smaller likelihood that any mold is going to grow inside. So that feature really inhibits the growth of mold inside the humidifier. And then sort of, you know, a feature that kind of goes hand in hand with that one is that once the parts that touch water, so the tank and the cap of the tank and the tray that runs along the bottom of the unit, once those got a little bit of residue on them, because they will, there's water, you know, there that's passing through, you can just throw those parts in the dishwasher. And that's also a very unique feature to Canopy. So between the anti-mold technology and the dishwasher safe, that's the part that makes it the cleanest humidifier in the world. Amazing. And it capitalizes on this purpose-built you know, nature tying it in, into not tying it, uh, like applying it to skincare, you know, aptly. Um, that must have been a powerful association. So how did you know, like, how did things like Mike, let's talk a little bit about acquisition. You've got this product that is sort of reinventing this category. You've got a custom design. You've got these, um, you know, I'm just looking at their website. Even, even that idea that it's dishwasher safe is very well communicated in your, in your website. Um, how uh, how did actual acquisition go when you when you brought this to market via ads? Yeah, so uh, great question. We honestly we we had no idea how it was going to go when we were ready to kind of turn the keys to the business uh, last October when we launched. Um, so the initial plan was like launching on Facebook, uh, Instagram, as well as paid shopping and search. Uh, and when we turned the business on, we pretty quickly realized that we had budgeted incorrectly and in a really great way. Uh, we were acquiring customers at kind of uh, pennies on the dollar from what we anticipated. Uh, that, that led to a, a whole slew of challenges on the inventory management side of things, supply chain management side of things, but it was honestly a really exciting uh, uh, development. Um, we, we basically found that we were acquiring customers at around $25 a pop when we first turned the business on and um, we're really able to sustain that through kind of Q4 and peak season um, of 2020 and 2021. What do you attribute that to? I honestly think it's product market fit. That, that's like my two cents on, on all of this. I think that we took like a legacy product and brought it into like the modern direct consumer ecosystem, right? There, there, there have been so many products in the past that have been, okay, we have this leg legacy industry, we're going to update it and upgrade it and like put it in a nice and shiny box. We, we did all of those things, but we also took like an ugly old appliance and turned it into something that's like nice and approachable and that you actually want to like display in your home. Um, we, we've also spoken to people who they take their humidifier and they throw it in the corner of their house because they really don't want anyone to see it because it's kind of like this gross old appliance. Um, and, and honestly, speaking directly to the people who are humidifier users and evangelists already, right? Like, to, to Eric's point earlier, we knew that skincare enthusiasts and beauty enthusiasts were using humidifiers regularly. There's just no one talking to them directly. It was just like legacy brands selling a, a very utilitarian appliance and us like wrapping that up into a millennial direct consumer brand really hit. And when you, and when you were budgeting, what, so around $25 cost per acquisition, what were you thinking they were going to be? How far off were you? Were you thinking it was going to be hundreds of dollars? We were thinking it was going to come in around $50. 
around $50. So yep. bank error in your favor. And it's maintained is what's e even more amazing. Correct. Um, I, I will say there's like, there's seasonality to, to the business of, to the humidifier business. Um, so what we see on our side of things is in October, September, October, depending on like when the seasons start to change, we start to see humidifier interest really like ramp up. And then from November through March, uh, people are purchasing humidifiers like crazy. Um, we we kind of got through holiday of 2020, um, started to, we were, we were all ready to like take a collective breath and be like, okay, that was really exciting. Uh, we killed it. And it didn't stop. Like it kept going through January and through February um, and really only started to like slow down in March, which um, was exciting. Continue, continued to lead to some some supply chain issues, but um, you know once we we are we are officially back in stock, so so you can now go buy a canopy on the site and get it delivered within a few days. But um, you know we we were working through that challenge the entire time. It was uh, pretty exciting. Eric, like how with a product that's seasonal like this, that or that it traditionally has been seasonal, and you're trying to bring it into a all an all season type of product. What how how did you manage that messaging? Yeah. So, you know, we're honestly still right there, right? It's now just really starting to get hot in most of the country. And so we're, we're going to be testing a lot of new messaging over the next couple of weeks and months that we're really excited to get out there. Because I do think one of the core elements of what, you know, has hooked customers and gotten people to listen to us is that we do have some education and information to offer people that they, that they don't already know, that they haven't heard before about the hydration of the skin and how humidity affects that. I think people, a lot of people are also either uninformed or misinformed about what types of skin issues people, um, uh, you know, encounter over the summer. Um, so we've found, first of all, crazy statistics that, um, you know, human beings spend about 93% of their lives indoors, um, which is, which is scary, but I can totally see how it's true. And, um, use of air conditioning during the summer is a major culprit of indoor dry, stale air. Um, and so the use of the humidifier, if your air conditioning is on, is still extremely important and, you know, sort of ladders up to that really strong routine that the avid skincare consumer is looking to get. And also summer can be a time for dry skin in general because of their factors, using sunscreens, being in the sun, drinking more alcohol and being less hydrated generally. So using right. a humidifier, whether it's for your skin or for the other benefits, like, you know, alleviating allergies um, is actually just as important in the summer as it is in the winter. So we're getting that messaging out there and, and we'll see how all of that goes. But I think that in the same way that we've been successful in our short lifespan as a brand in giving people new information and really having them clearly understand that and, and use it as a reason to, to buy our product, I feel pretty confident that with this, with additional new information, we're going to see a similar response from customers around, um, you know, being excited to get that from a brand. I, uh, I, I was thinking of, you know, you being in Boca Raton, Michael, you know, like the humid X must be off the charts there and it is quite often, but that, but, but your point about air conditioning, air conditioning is just makes everything so dry, no matter how humid it is, you know, sometimes outside, uh, that that would be something, something to work into the marketing as well. That's very interesting. Um, I wanted to ask, we have some avatars here. You have some avatars of, of the kinds of people who buy these products for those reasons. Michael, on the ad side, I wanted to ask how integrated are those avatars and those angles into actually into your Facebook ads, for instance? Yeah, for sure. So as it currently stands, a majority of our messaging is, is directed towards that skincare consumer. And over the course of the next few months, we're, we're really working on, we're, we're rolling out an entire summer influencer campaign that's going to focus on a lot of the topics that Eric just mentioned. How are we, um, you know, messaging the benefits and importance of continued use of humidifier during, during warm seasons. Um, and then even beyond that, we're, we're going to be taking steps into speaking directly to new and expecting parents. Um, believe it or not, uh, humidifiers are, are one of the top things purchased by a lot of parents on their baby registry. And you, maybe, you know, um, a lot of parents are putting, put humidifiers in their baby's room, expecting parents put it in their room to, it's, it's a great add to the skincare routine. So there are a lot of changes, um, that changes and modifications that might need to be made if, if you are pregnant or expecting, um, a baby. So those are all, those are all big benefits. And then I guess as we, 
I think an interesting piece of the pie is going to be as we kind of expand the marketing funnel and start to hit new channels, i.e. Pinterest, TikTok, et cetera, um, kind of tailoring the messaging to the types of people that are on those platforms specifically um, so that we can kind of hit those people where they are and where they're spending a lot of their time. Um, so we're working on rolling out that messaging right now. Um, it's not like fully integrated yet, but we're, we're pretty excited to launch that. Very cool. Now, let's talk about your model a little bit here, because I, I went through the funnel a little bit earlier, looked at a product, looked at the options for subscription, which I think is obviously such an attractive aspect of what you're doing here, because you're, you're trying to build something that becomes a part of someone's life that that they're not going to throw out in in three months um, and that they're going to you know con continue growing with. How how what have been the biggest challenges with your subscription model? And Mike, if you could just describe your subscription model a little bit to yeah, start. for sure. So Canopy offers uh, we have we currently have two active subscriptions. When we initially launched, um, we only had one, but you can buy Canopy in essentially three separate ways. One is a standalone purchase of a Canopy for one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, our two subscription offerings give you the ability to essentially take $25 off in exchange for signing up for, for a subscription. Subscription offering one is filters. So every six weeks, um, we'll bill you another $10 and ship you out a fresh filter. So that way you can keep your canopy running. Um, by that time, most people need to, to toss their filters out. Depending on you know, the makeup and chemistry of different people's waters and home environments. It could be four weeks, it could be eight weeks, but six weeks kind of feels like the sweet spot on that end. And then in February, we rolled out a Aroma Plus filter subscription option. So one thing I don't think we, we went too deep on just yet is Canopy also doubles as a fantastic aroma diffuser. Um, so we actually have uh, on the top of the canopy in the grate, there's a there's a little puck that you can slot onto the top of your canopy and drip essential oils onto. Um, and the canopy will really lightly diffuse um, that scent throughout the room, which a lot of customers have really seemed to enjoy. It's definitely our more premium subscription option, but uh, for $25 every six weeks, we'll send a new filter as well as three um, aroma kits or three essential oils. Um, and Eric and has been working really extensively on, on kind of building out a partnership network. We, we launched our, our Aroma Plus filter subscription in conjunction with our Open Spaces partnership in February. Um, and currently on the site, we have uh, an active partnership with the SIL. So if somebody signs up today, goes and um, checks out for a canopy with Aroma and filter subscription, um, they'll receive a canopy with uh, a set of sill of sill aroma aromas in the box. Um, so it's been a really awesome opportunity for us to, you know, work with other brands in the direct to consumer space and kind of like, um, you know, build some brand equity that way. Um, as far as like challenges on the subscription side of things go, I think that I, the, the, the most important thing to caveat here is subscriptions are the gift that keep on giving, like for sure. Um, and the other piece of the puzzle is, the nice part about a canopy from a business perspective, at least, is if you are not replacing the filter, you essentially can't use the canopy after an extended period of time, right? Like the filter is going to degrade to the point where you really need to replace the filter. That's that's how the machine works. And that's honestly how we're able to bring all the benefits that Eric brought to the uh, mentioned earlier to the table. Um, so, you know, there is, I guess, like some challenges around articulating to customers, hey, here's the experience and here's what it looks like. When you put the filter in and you go to change your water a couple of days later and you notice that the filter has changed colors, that means it's working, right? So like there's definitely a messaging challenge around like how are we articulating that to the customer? How do we make sure that they understand that this is not a sign of something going wrong? In fact, this is a sign of something going very right. Um, so that's that's one interesting piece of the puzzle. Um, the other the other side um, that we've kind of run into, and I I, I don't think we, we mentioned this in too much detail, but um, we essentially stocked out in October and got back in stock in April of this year. So we were playing playing from behind for for a really long time, which basically meant like we were taking pre-orders. Um, containers of canopies would land and we would get them out the door right away. So challenges on our side were operationally managing that subscription process to make sure that their reorder date was tied to the fulfillment date, right? Mm. So like that created a whole uh, slew of issues. And what that also means now, which is a slight operational challenge, it's, it's fine. We, we have visibility into it, but we have days where a ton of orders drop into our system because 
that was the day that the container came in six weeks ago and we need to now replen all of those people. Um, so those are, those are some kind of like more tactical business challenges. I think uh, a little bit further upstream is there are definitely like technical challenges associated with implementing subscriptions, especially the more complicated they get. And it might not sound that complicated for an aroma plus filter subscription, but when we're swapping out aromas, every single subscription, managing all of those discrete cohorts, making sure people aren't getting the same aromas over time. Eventually we want to offer people the ability to mix and match and pick what aromas they want. Right now, we don't really have that, that capability. Nope. We're, we're working on it. Um, That's a theme I see across the board with subscriptions, just that like, limiting options, especially upfront and maybe even long-term uh, yeah. are, are going to, going to play in your benefit. Absolutely. And I, I think we're, we're, we're really excited. We've been doing a lot of work on, on our side of things. Um, there's a really cool new app called smarter, um, that's rolling out. That's a fantastic subscription management platform. Um, so, so we're excited to, to be kicking off with them. I think that their offering is, is a bit more robust and flexible as it pertains to building out like more complicated subscription offerings. Uh, on, on, we currently leverage Recharge, which definitely does the job. Like it, it gets the job done, um, but any customization that, that we need to do on our end requires dev time and like a bunch of turns on getting it exactly right. So, um, you know, we're, we're definitely excited for a, a bunch of new people coming into the space that are going to kind of help bring the subscription market and like management process into a more like friendly direct to consumer space um, than it currently is. So with, so with the subscription, like roughly, you know, how many people are buying subscription off, off the top and yeah. the people that buy the individuals, then you're setting, then you're going to set some, some CRM things to sort of educate them on how this is great, but you know, you're going to see that the filter is working, it's going to get this color and then you're going to need to buy again. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about how you manage that, that process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, on the initial subscriber side of things, we're seeing about 75% of, of customers checking out with subscription, which is honestly fantastic for us. I, I think that people understand the value prop and, and why they need to be replenishing their filters. Um, so that's really great. Um, it also allows us to have like long-term relationships with customers, which I think is kind of the, the dream of any direct consumer business at the end of the day. Um, on the, on the one-off purchase side of things, um, it's, it's interesting. We've seen a lot, especially like this time of year, we've really been seeing, um, through, through our Google, like Google spend specifically, people are buying through the search term, like canopy filter, like people are coming back to just buy those one-off filters. I should note a one-off filter costs 15 bucks versus like $10. So there's, you know, additional savings to being on board our, our subscription platform, but, um, the, the, the way that we really manage that just from like a messaging perspective, we have drip campaigns on email and SMS. Um, super excited about SMS. We're seeing some really great traction on, on that side of things. Who's your uh, SMS platform? We use Voyage. Voyage. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. nice. um, but it's been... Uh, it's been really interesting. And I, I think that now that we've launched this new sub, we're, we're toying around with like, how do we go about building upsell funnels and, and, you know, push people in, push those people who purchase standalone canopies into a filter sub or into a filter plus aroma sub and push those filter subscribers into an aroma plus filter subscription as well. Um, you know, just awesome opportunity up and down, up and down the line. Love it. Um, Eric, now, Let's talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, Michael mentioned uh, partnerships and how you've, you've partnered with, with Sill. Sill is a, is it, I should know this, but they're, they're a big essential oil brand, I assume. Um, can you talk a little bit about how direct to you... consumer plants, actually. So say again, it's direct to consumer plants, the cell. Oh, so, cool. um, so yeah, so it, it's all for house plants and increased indoor humidity is also really great for cultivating house plants. And so, um, so it seems like a logical partnership, your skin, your plants, your overall health, the humidifier helps with all of it. That's amazing. And, and it's all part of the lifestyle that people, ima they imagine this unit sitting beside a plant in their apartment. You know what I mean? It's all part of that sort of holistic vision of, of overall health that you guys are, are working towards. It's really cool. Can you talk a little bit more about how you think about, about partnerships in general? For sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, the number one thing that comes to mind for me when I start thinking about partnerships, which brands we should be going after to work with is, you know, again, I go back to how are we going to add value for the customer by 
launching a partnership with a given brand. Um, you know, how, which brands can we partner with together to bring information to customers that they didn't have before? Um, and, and of course, like there's a good brand fit that has to be there. Um, is it either like a shared customer base or a slightly overlapping customer base where we have the opportunity to access, you know, new customers who wouldn't otherwise be aware of, of us um, by partnering with that brand. But I think that being successful with these things, you know, not to sound corny, but is, is really about starting with the customer and thinking, um, how can we add value? How can we bring something new, interesting, different to the customer and also at the right time? You know, um, seasonality and time of year plays so much into how you've shaped partnerships. Um, so I think sticking with, you know, sort of thinking about the customer and, and, and giving them something really different and interesting through partnerships has been a, a big North Star for me. Um, and it's also been interesting because Mike, Mike mentioned that um, our partnership, you know, we have a platform for partnerships with this aroma feature where we can co-create uh, home fragrance products with, with other brands to be used with the humidifier. And it's been interesting up until this point, we haven't partnered with any brands who do other fragrances, who do like fine fragrance, personal fragrance, or any at-home fragrances. It's really been lifestyle brands, um, you know, that are either playing in, in the home space, you know, Mike mentioned open spaces, and then the sill is another lifestyle brand um, that's focused on plants. And so, um, you know, I think those are kind of unexpected too, you know, when developing, um, aromas, one might assume that we would go after brands who already have expertise in that space, already have a customer in that space. And we've thought a little bit more outside the box. I like it. Yeah. And, and, and it really just opens up the amount of partners that you can kind of consider um, if they're all contributing to this kind of lifestyle. Uh, yeah, that, that's really exciting. Uh, when it comes to actual influencers, how do you guys think about things? Like, again, your product has such a broad appeal. Anyone who's interested in rethinking, you know, skincare is going to be interested in the product. So that gives you another huge target for, for the actual influencers. How are you, how are you vetting and, and targeting influencers to, to launch in the next little while? Yeah, that, that's a great question too. And I might sound like a little bit of a broken record, but I, I think that just as with product brands, um, influencers who are really successful, especially in this general space, which, you know, Eric, you mentioned it is a big space and there are a lot of different angles that we can take with our brand and our product. But I do think that people who are offering their audience information, right? Um, things that people didn't know before, really educating people um, and bringing in an, a unique point of view and perspective. Those are the people who, first of all, get me interested in following them, like in my own, you know, feed. Um, and, and also I think, those are the people that people really listen to. Um, so, you know, people who were already doing a lot of education, whether it's in, and I would say education with credibility, you know, um, whether it be in skincare, um, in wellness. Now, as we start to think, as Mike mentioned, more about the new parents audience, um, you know, that's a very influencer heavy space where people, <laughs> I can imagine I don't have a kid, but if I was about to have my first kid, I'd probably really want a lot of information from people who had already gone through it. So I really look first and foremost to see, does this person have an engaged group of followers who are engaging because um, the influencer is starting interesting conversations or bringing new education to the audience? Um, and so that's how I really guide myself with that. Because you know, um, you mentioned that we have like a wide array of influencers who or sort of categories of influencers who we could potentially work with. And then in each of these categories between beauty and wellness and parenting, as I said, you know, the influencer scene is big there. So there are a lot of choices about who we could partner with. Um, so, you know, we really look for people who will be able to tell our story and, and, and really want to partner with us to educate people about something that they might not have known about before. And again, you have rocket fuel here. You have a product that is, you know, really stands alone. It's, it's this thing. Um, it'll just, it, it'll, it makes that your advertising, your, your cat come in lower, and it'll also make the reads that your influencers give you more authentic and heartfelt. Uh, and it, it, I, I could see it having some, some big effects. Cause you probably haven't, have you done a lot of UGC in your creatives yet? Or have you focused more on product and education in the actual ads, Michael? 
Yeah, so we have just started rolling out UGC. Um, we are looking forward to collecting a bunch more UGC on this summer influencer campaign and really kind of pushing that out. Um, we're also experimenting kind of with some in-house UGC and um, EGC. Sorry, employee generated content we, yeah we, exactly we that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly um which like i think could be yeah. really fun on you know some behind the scenes stuff i i had a dream of like uh posting some some videos on tiktok when we got a bunch of containers in and like had like six thousand canopies land over the course of two days and just like shooting some of that stuff but you know i think that um we're still definitely in the early stages of figuring out exactly how we're going to be implementing ugc across paid we're super excited about it um to date and actually i think your the newsletter today was talking a little bit about just product in facebook ads like display product like front and center our most successful creative to date has been just a picture of a canopy on like a beige or a green background. And people yep. seem to really love that. So, um, you know, we've, we've gotten this far on leaning on the product, but we're really excited about kind of that, that expansion into UGC and figuring out how to make it work, work for, for our brand. Very cool. I've, I, you've got a, a few good uh, PR hits here. I see the Vogue piece where you're referenced directly with dermatologists, which I think is a great move. Um, how, how do you guys think about your PR and your affiliate strategies? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think Eric and I have kind of like divided and conquered this. He's definitely deeper in the PR stuff, so he can he can speak about that a little bit. I, I, I'll talk about affiliate quickly. I think on the affiliate side of things, it's been very interesting for us to see that there's kind of like a bifurcation between PR and affiliate in a lot of ways, like um, especially on, on the publisher side of things, um, some of the editors that we're dealing with, maybe they're not like responsible for revenue, they're just responsible for writing great pieces. So finding a way to like marry those two things is something that we're actively working on. We're, we're in the process of onboarding an affiliate agency right now to kind of help us juice that piece of the business. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I think any marketer would be excited about affiliate given the fact, the fact that you get to pay after the, the sale happens, which is obviously a, a really nice piece of the puzzle. Um, but we, we, to date, honestly, some of, some of our press press hits have done a fantastic job at driving meaningful traffic and meaningful conversions, um, especially around launch articles, those big press hits like, like Vogue and well and good and birdie. Um, but Eric can talk a little bit more tactically about the PR piece. Yeah. I mean, so we have been so over the moon to see how the press has reacted to our brand and our product. Um, it's been really embraced across the board by editors in the health and beauty space. And um, Eric, you actually mentioned that, you know, one of the pieces about us in Vogue, you know, directly mentions derma a dermatologist. And I think a key part of our PR strategy has been our partnership with our consulting dermatologist, Dendi Engelman, who's based here in New York City. Um, she's an incredible cosmetic dermatologist who, I don't know how she does it all. She sees patients, it seems like from, you know, from sunup to sundown. And, um, but she, we, we, we started talking to her early on and she was really enthusiastic about the idea of a humidifier that solved the pain points that people had because she said that she recommended humidifiers to her patients all the time for all different types of skin concerns. And um, for the most part, she just had a really hard time getting her patients to follow through with, you know, using there, there was just a big problem with people discontinuing their humidifiers. So it felt like a very organic partnership, um, you know, in working with her. And so when it came to going out to the press, when we first launched, you know, what that allowed us to do was to say, we're a new brand. Our first product is this humidifier that is the best one that you can get for your skin and for your overall wellness. And Dr. Dendi thinks so too, you know, and she worked with us to develop, you know, the key talking points that we had for the press. Again, broken record, but going back to like giving people real information and education, um, you know, she, she, she helped us establish all of the claims that we can make, um, around the, you know, benefits for the skin and for, and for your health. And so having, you know, that expert element for this specific product and for our brand, um, was a big tailwind for our PR efforts and, and has been. Very cool. And, and what do you, is it, is PR something you just sort of look for in an ongoing opportunity for ongoing opportunities that as they come up, or do you have sort of like a plan for how many press hits you want to have in 2021, for instance? Yeah. So, you know, we're a very metrics and numbers driven business. And so 
every service partner that we have and, and, and in every aspect of the business, we have metrics and, and objectives that are clearly delineated. So we do have those things set up with, with our PR agency. Um, and we have an amazing agency, Rough Communications, who's always exceeding our expectations. Um, but I will say that it's important to, when you're thinking about PR, you know, if you're if you want to get press for your own brand, you can't expect to be going out there with the same story over and over again, and to continue to get you know recurring press hits. Um, press, just like anything else, is you know, and social even more now that social is so instantaneous it's focused on what's happening in the moment. So it's important to like sort of frame your product and your brand in the context of what's happening in the world, what's happening in that season, whether, you know, it's with, um, you know, other pop culture things going on or what's happening with the weather. Um, And so, you know, we naturally with our business model, you know, Mike mentioned that we are launching new aroma products all the time. We have new product launches coming, um, you know, just a little bit later this year we have naturally set ourselves up because we think it's the right thing for the customer to have newness in the brand all the time. And that really helps with an ongoing PR strategy to have something new to talk about regularly. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, when it comes to this this idea of new things, you know, the, with the way you guys want to grow, you obviously want to continue doubling down in the spaces that you're already winning in. What are some areas in 2021 that you want to expand? Are you are you are you thinking about expanding uh, your subscription options, your base product lines? What are your what's your thinking around around that stuff? Yeah, um, definitely thinking about continuing to like grow subscription offerings. I think that's the core of the canopy business, right? Like everything that we're going to do heading into the future will most likely have a subscription hook attached to it. I think that. Um, you know, the, the success that we've seen on that front makes us super bullish on, on that piece of the puzzle. We have new products in the pipe, um, a, a product launch coming later this summer, which we're really excited about and another one in early 2022. Um, so, and are these think- core products or products on the subscription model? These are subscription products? No. So these are going to be uh, separate core, core products that will have cool. their own subscription offering as well. Um, so our subscription, our subscription model is going to continue to get more and more complicated. We're going to continue to add different types of subscriptions, which, um, which is one of the reasons we're we're looking to make a transition over to, um, you know, a more robust subscription management platform. But we we basically the, the way that we see it is we want to continue to add new products to the product line that that have their own standalone subscription or that are built that build off the existing subscription offerings that we already have in market. Cool. Uh, Eric, can you talk a little bit, you know, we've, we've got you, the CMO of Canopy, we've got your, your head of, uh, head of e-commerce. How, how is your, how big is your marketing team is the first question. And then how, how do you structure it in terms of team members versus, uh, outside agencies? Yeah, sure. So, you know, that's something that we're thinking about and reevaluating all the time, especially considering the brand is growing fast and the, the needs that we have are changing basically all the time. But we have a relatively small, very small um, sort of internal core team um, where we have a marketing manager on our team. Her name is Lila. um, And uh, she is like another core member of the marketing team along with Mike and myself. Um, And other than that, our marketing team is really comprised of contractors and agencies. Um, And, you know, Mike and I spent a lot of time before the launch of the business diligencing different agency partners across the various pillars where we were going to to bring those folks in. And um, we found some really incredible agency partners who really do act as an extension of our team. So we have our paid paid media agencies, Socium Media, um, our PR agency, who I mentioned, Rough Communications. Um, We actually have a contractor who handles um, organic social for us. So she owns um, content and community management in in our organic social channels. Um, and, and, and so we've really built the team out that way. We also have a contractor who handles email marketing. Mike's currently shopping for an, uh, an affiliate agency. So um, we are very pro agency um, and, and, and we found some really incredible folks who have acted, like I said, much more like, um, you know, core team members, um, even though they are agency partners. That's, and if you had to boil down one tip for people looking, uh, you know, trying to decide between agencies out in that agency diligencing phase, uh, what's what's your your best tip for finding one that's going to work? 
That's interesting. I'm yeah. gonna give that one to Mike. Yeah, what do you think? Because um, I definitely went far and wide, and I I scoured the landscape. I think that um, there is like some semblance of like commoditization across like paid agencies, right? There's a ton of them out there. A ton of them do great work, and I think it's really a matter of like finding the the right team for you at the end of the day that really understands your brand, understands the key metrics that you're going after, and like are willing and able to embed themselves in your team in a really meaningful way. Um, I think that Canopy it, itself was was born out of an, an agency called Dorastev, which does product development work for people. And so we, we have an agency background. Um, me and, and the two co-founders uh, of, of Canopy are, have been in and out of agencies for, for a very long time now. So I think that we understand the value in bringing on people who are you know, deep experts in, in specific lanes. And that's, that's what we really sought to do with this. I think my, my personal approach was we didn't, we weren't looking for an agency partner who could do everything for us. We wanted people who were like deep and narrow experts in, in specific fields um, that could execute on these discrete areas of the marketing funnel on our behalf. So, you know, that's how we landed on Socium for, for paid search shopping, Facebook and Instagram. Um, they, they were, Every every call that we had with them, it just made it more clear that they were the right partner for us. So my suggestion, honestly, is like go very wide and like start to narrow that process down and and bring in key stakeholders as you go to 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 land on that partner that that clicks. And I think Eric, you nailed it. Like and and go with the expectation that you're looking for a relationship that is so aligned that it feels like they're part of your team. I think that's the only way agencies really work for performance brands like this. Would you agree? Totally. I think that that's really important, especially, you know, there are brands of all different profiles out there, but most new brands are looking to, you know, save money, small budgets, you know, and so there isn't a lot of time, time really, or money to be spent on a lot of agency work that isn't going to be relevant to, you know, okay, then I love, you know, strategy, but how are we going to execute? Like, what are we really going to do? What are the steps that we're going to take? And every agency partner that we've brought on has been very sort of, you know, tactics oriented, um, and also, you know, results oriented, which I mentioned before is really important to us as a team. One other thing I wanted to add to not leave out because, you know, um, in building a new brand, especially in the consumer space, I should mention, you know, I talked a little bit about our marketing team, but we also have a three person creative team. Um, we have one full-time person on the creative team and two, two part-timers. And, um, you know, it's just so critical to have a strong creative team. And I think, a mistake that I've made in the past in bringing new brands to market and that I think gets made a lot is to not anticipate what the creative needs are going to be like as you want to launch new ad creative, new products um, all the time, just new packaging, collateral, all those all those things. Um, it's just important to anticipate what am I going to need from a creative perspective. Especially as a lifestyle brand, especially as a as a, a lifestyle homewares, you know, all of these these verticals are are, are very you know you, you have to come correct with your branding and and with things looking right to maintain the status that you've kind of built out with this. Um, very very cool. Okay, I've got a we've got a couple rapid fires here to finish things up. I want to see if your answers are different for this. So so whoever can jump in first. But say uh, D 2 C gives a fifty thousand dollar grant to help uh, to go to the marketing department of Canopy. How does it get used? I I want to go first. Um, the the answer to that for me is is definitively um, CTV. Um, I'm really bullish on CTV as a channel. Um, but I think in order to get that done, you need to build a really thoughtful creative and that's not easy to do. I think it's very, it's very easy to, it's relatively easy to, to put together video, but it's not that easy to take your brand and articulate it on CTV in a way that like is authentic to the brand and communicates all of the things that you need to communicate. And um, so that if I, if I had 50 K right now, that that's the, the route that we'd go down. Very cool. And, uh, you agree, Eric? So I see the value in CTV and I'm, I'm stoked to get started there, but, um, I, I would use the 50 K to experiment in, in more paid influencer marketing. Um, so, you know, as a brand, we actually really haven't, um, done much in the paid influencer space at all. Um, and we've been, I should say lucky or, you know, just had really great partnerships with some folks who have made a really meaningful impact from that perspective. 
but I am psyched to do something really innovative with influencer marketing and, um, you know, working with big influencers comes with a price tag. Um, and I think that, you know, figuring out what that means for the canopy brand, um, is, is something that I would be really interested in experimenting more with. And I, I talk about it on every podcast, but when you, when you're able to, you know, get the power of those influencers for their traffic, for their influence, and then you're able to build, uh, you know, the campaigns from that content where, you know, whether you're whitelisting their accounts or just using the content, that's where you'll really see another layer of, of incremental sort of, you know, return on investment is, is my estimation. So I think, I think you can't go wrong with either of these answers. CTV is such an interesting, an interesting space. We're talking with sponsors in that area. And, and I think you're absolutely right. It's one of those, you know, whereas with Facebook and Instagram, you, you, you throw up ads as, as you have them and you're, it's always an iterative approach that you're trying to learn from. But when you're taking a shot at CTV, I think you absolutely have to be thoughtful about, uh, you know, making sure that you get it right. Cause it's going to, it's going to cost $50,000 to make that ad probably that goes on CTV to be fair. Absolutely. That's, that's the, that's the priority concern. And then honestly, like even just minimum budgets on, on CTV is, is not inexpensive. So, no. um, you know, thoughtful, creative build out on that front is important. Nice. You guys have name dropped some some great companies and some great technologies. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is is get we're, tr we're trying to shout out more um, platforms in the space. If there's in terms of your your marketing stack, your tech stack, what's what's a tool or a couple tools that you couldn't live without? I mean, the the answer to that question right now is definitely recharge. Like I, I would say, yeah. definitively recharge. Um, it's the backbone of the business, the subscription model. So so running things through there. Um, we, besides that, I mean, obviously like the Clavios and the voyages of the world to power that, that SMS and email, those SMS and email flows, those are super important. Um, yeah. Any, anything else that comes to mind for you, Eric? Well, this is more related to how we work together as a team, but we've had a lot of success using ClickUp. Um, ClickUp just has switched been, as well. Yeah. ClickUp has been a really amazing tool for us in communication, uh, especially now that, you know, everyone is remote. Um, and, and we have folks working from all different places and, and at all different times. And ClickUp, we have all of our creative process management in there, every task for the marketing team, the entire calendar, it's all in ClickUp. Love it. That's a great shout out. We're, uh, we're going to be chatting with them soon. Uh, nice. This, is, this has been a fantastic interview. I want to thank you guys both for coming on today. Uh, if people want to learn more about, uh, about Canopy, uh, give, give us the URL. Tell us how they can get in touch. For sure. Yeah. You can go to getcanopy.co. Um, that's the best place to, to check it out. Um, Instagram handle is at getcanopy. Yeah. Eric? At get.canopy. At, at get.canopy. Yeah. The dot. Yeah. I always forget about the dot. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, both of those places are great. You shoot us a DM. Uh, Kendall will get back to you as quickly as she can. Um, and uh, those, are the, those are the best places to check us out. Amazing. I'm going to yeah, love I'm to hear from everybody. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the great things about this podcast. We get people reaching out, people in, in similar spaces. Um, and I think that's the coolest thing about the D2C space is everyone's kind of willingness to share and, and help others grow in this in this great, uh, great opportunity we all have. For sure. Yeah, Fantastic. thanks so much for uh, for having us on, Eric. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, cheers. We'll, uh, thanks, we'll catch Eric. up again this soon. A lot of fun. After you launch your CTV campaign, you'll have to come back on and tell us how it went. Oh, for sure. I'm definitely down for that. Awesome. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Okay, Take care. Bye.